Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 79 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Yeah, I guess I'm okay. Happy anniversary. Thank you so much. To I you and Vicky Bolt. Yes, yes. It is our anniversary today, so that is fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to uh, everything I have to do tomorrow, but uh, today was wonderful. Good, we, good, we, good, we had good, some good. fun stuff. I got to uh, mess around with some uh, uh, Philips Hue lights mm-hmm. and, and, and Google settings there, and it's given me definitely new ideas for the basement and things I can do for getting when we all get to game together again oh so, yeah, yeah yeah definitely getting the the, the, the philips hue lights into like mood lighting and stuff i thought well, and setting routines and things like that uh-huh. means you can just quickly activate things and oh, effects yeah. just yeah. have your phone sitting next to you and just hit it and yep yeah. l- l- let it take care of the rest absolutely so but uh, how are you doing? Uh, I am doing great, actually. Good. Good. Uh, I, I've been, um, like kind of like you said last episode, I've been kind of on an upswing lately. Yeah. Um, and I we had my session zero. We did. Uh, for my game. Um, and you ran it at Foundry. Was, well, session, session zero for the for the interlude one shot that we're doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of an intermission where we're, play, we're, pay, we're taking the spot of some NPCs uh, that were other guild members of yours. Yes. Yes. Uh, coming to the rescue of your main PCs. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I I got two new tools that I was working with, Foundry, mm-hmm. VTT, mm-hmm. and Dungeon Fog. Um, I was up until four in the morning uh, over the weekend uh, previous. Yeah. Uh, playing with Dungeon Fog and, I mean, that's, and Foundry. That's inspiration time. Oh, yeah. That's when absolutely. your brain just starts chugging, 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 and you just want to keep going. What it was is I felt the momentum, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, uh, you know what? It's been it's been so hard to get momentum on this. I don't want to stop. That's right. That's and right. it's the weekend. It's not a school night for me. Whatever. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. My hit Monday, uh, Monday or Tuesday, and uh, I was able to, uh, in the morning, Completely get it installed and set up on my uh, mm-hmm. my Unix machine or Linux machine, and uh, it's it's neat. It's different. It's going to take a little while. There's a learning curve there, but uh-huh. uh, it's not bad. I mean, in a couple hours, I had it set up and importing stuff from D and D Beyond. Yeah. And I felt really. I was like, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, uh, I was up till four in the morning only because I was, I was finishing a very very large detailed map in Dungeon Fog. Mm-hmm. But then once I got it imported into Foundry VTT, I was able to very quickly and I, I, you can you can do things where it, like it imports all the stuff from Dungeon Fog. Oh. Um, I didn't do that. I did it manually because I did. I wanted to have that control over right, it, right, right. and I wanted to learn how to do it the first time around. But um, very quickly and easily was able okay. to set up all my walls, my doors, my windows. So there's live line of sight. Nice through this entire map. Um, it's an entire village. Ooh. And uh, I was able to even get like my uh, monsters imported from D and D Beyond because mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a plugin that will pull stuff directly from D and D Beyond. Yep. Um, imported all the stats, got them little cool tokens, yep. got them set up, put them in the places I want them to be when you guys get there. Yep. And uh, we're ready to roll. I even nice. set up some live light sources. Ah, that's always fun. Uh, and I, I gotta say, like. Both products, and, and uh, just to interest of disclosure, I've not been paid to say this whatsoever. Nope. We have no sponsorship, but I highly recommend both Dungeon Fog and Foundry VTT. F- amazing, positive um, experiences with them so far. Mm-hmm. And I I credit those two with getting me out of my rut of not wanting to run my game. Yeah. Because giving it some thought, and I mean, you and I were talking about this a little over mm-hmm. the weekend, was... I think part of my rut with not running my game for so long was that, um, you know, I, I couldn't just say, you know, hey, uh, you know, other players that, that have, you know, were, were my Warhammer friends, uh, you know, back in the day, bring over your, your big tubs of terrain, um, you know, and then I'll just bring the painted minis in the table and we'll we'll have a good experience. Um, I had to kind of create all that stuff myself and I had to cross that, 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 threshold of learning technology and maybe getting it set up we tried um you know tabletop simulator we talked about that a little bit earlier on the uh in the during the pandemic um and and they're good you can get some really good results out of them but uh it's 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 a lot it's a lot to have to write your campaign and get over all these other technology hurdles and then make sure that your players are also experiencing that technology in the way that you intend them to. Yeah. It's like you had that problem where you loaded up ta- virtual or tabletop simulator. Yeah. And you'd spent all 
you know, weekend putting together this elaborate model for us of this like multi-stage tower. And then when we got in, half of us couldn't see it. Yeah. And I had no idea. Exactly. I had no idea that that was the case. And I think that's, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to say that's humbling, but it's definitely disenchanting. Sorry about hitting the mic. It here. makes it, uh, it makes it really easy to just be like, well, throw up your arms and, and, and say, screw it. I'm not going to do this. Cause it's just, it's not something I want to do. It's, it puts a bad taste in your mouth and you right, kind of step right. away from it in a weird way. Um, and I think everybody gets to that point at some point within their gaming, whether you're all playing, you know, tabletop, whether you're all playing other games, uh, whether you're doing it virtually. Um, and I think the hardest part as a storyteller, especially, I mean, as a player, you can move to another game. People mm-hmm. can re-encourage you. Creativity can bring you back. But as a storyteller, getting back on the blocks to storytell again sometimes is a real challenge, and especially right now when we're not seeing each other. Yeah. You know, you're not yeah. getting that emotional feedback, and so it doesn't take much to throw you off mm-hmm. and just kind of start sending you down and being like, I, I don't know if I want to do this right now. Yeah, and 2020 is just so awful in general. That <laughs> so many little things. You just you just run out of spoons so quick. Mm-hmm. Run out of energy, run out of inspiration, and you just, you just kind of hit that lull of like, you know, I'm just going to play video games, whatever. Yep, yep. But that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. This is our uh, Wednesday D and D therapy. Yep. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, D- Dungeon Fog for um, making yep. amazing detailed uh, overhead maps mm-hmm. um, for your environment, and those can also import directly into Foundry VTT. And if you if you're just importing other maps into Foundry VTT, you can still use all the tool sets to do all of the. Uh, the line of sight, the be- beautification, basically, of those maps, lighting, yes. and things like that. Uh, and there are so many map creators out there. Mm-hmm. So many really great ones. If uh, if you ever need recommendations, let me know. I've I've connected to a few of them uh, on Patreon, uh, and and they are they make beautiful things and yep. the things that I couldn't make. Yep. So so let's talk about not so random encounters. Not so random encounters. All right. So let's get back to our base because last week we kind of shifted a little bit. Um, but when we're talking about a counter, again, regardless of whether it is a random encounter or any encounter, it is still a scene. It still mm-hmm. has an importance and a goal attached to it. Um, whether it's a challenge or combat or social or inter- exploration, it doesn't matter. The, you, you, you're throwing this scene in there because it has purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, there. You know, the, in Star Trek, there isn't just random poop scenes. Okay, <laughs> uh, that that doesn't make sense. You know, when you when you have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when two of the players or two of the actors are talking, there's a reason for that scene, even if they're getting coffee. The coffee is part of the scene, but the interaction's what's important there. And so there has to be stakes, and those stakes don't have to be life and death. They can be, you know, money, gifts, honors, people not wanting to die, any number of things. You have to have options for both the PCs and the NPCs on handling the situation and triggers to what this moves to. Mm-hmm. And that'll be true for no matter what you're doing. Keep those three in place and things will flow. So that kind of brings us into this randomness of random encounters. Yeah, and so I, th- I think what we should do is just start by just kind of talking, what what do we mean by a random encounter? Because I think there's there's kind of an old definition and maybe a new definition. I definitely agree with the, with your with your statements that you, you put together and that there is an old definition, which was that the only way to progress was through experience. Mm-hmm. And if you're just talking, experience isn't being had. You had to kill to gain levels to to beat the game. Right. So your random encounters, you know, by by the old definition, were you know you're traveling down the road and one d four direwolves attack you. Roll initiative. You know, um, and and I think that's probably what a lot of us still think of when we when we think of random encounters. You know, yeah. we, especially those of us who play video games. You know, those of us who grew up on games like Final Fantasy and Pokemon. Oh yeah. Um. You know, you'd have random encounters because you'd just be walking along minding your own business and all of a sudden, fight music. Yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy was notorious for that because you'd just be walking through the woods and something random would show up and you'd end up getting loot and your thing, you'd get experience and. You know, we just got demonetized. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in Pokemon, you're just walking through the tall grass and it's another damn gold bat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. I would say that is a a defined thing, and it's definitely in our minds that that is the way things go, but that's not 
how stories go. Right, right. And so I think um, what we want to talk about tonight is is taking the random out of random encounters. Giving it reason. So, like, I want to kind of redefine it. Okay. Um, uh, so to, to, to go from the, I rolled on a table and I decided that it's going to be six orcs attacking you for literally no reason, mm-hmm. then you camped in the wrong spot. Right. Um, to an encounter... That is seemingly, at least from a player-facing perspective, mm-hmm. okay, your players seem like it is not related to the current... It is chance. Point. Yeah, it is chance that you have come across these things. Yeah. I think it's not random. These are chance encounters. Chance encounters. That's probably a better way to put them. And And I think that's, for me, it's that you're creating a chance for something to occur. Mm-hmm. Now, you're setting up those goals and those options in there and setting stakes into it. But the idea is that these encounters are a chance for roleplay, a chance for plot, or a chance for some kind of exposition yes. to occur. And that's really what we're pushing here is, is that it's not, it's not so random, but it still uses all of the things that we're used to seeing in random. You can actually roll on the random table for direwolves. To be at the same place that the players are going to find the bodies of so and so. Oh, you absolutely. And can. there's your plot, and there's your random. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, I want to make it very clear too. Like there there is a there is a place in a certain you know certain style of campaign for the old style random encounter charts. You oh, one hundred percent. Um. So nothing we're saying right now is necessarily bagging on the old uh you know the old definition of it. No, um, not in the least. Uh, I myself have have done those before too, where I kind <laughs> of. Uh, I created a region, you know, almost um, basically very much like what I did with uh, what I'm doing currently with our with our, mm-hmm. with our game, where I kind of created the Highlands, mm-hmm. and that's your playground right now, you know? Um, and it was this whole, like, swamp forest area with mm-hmm. a couple villages in it and stuff like that, and I had random encounter charts written up for all of the roads and all of the off-road situations and such like that. Uh, gone through the monster manual and said, okay, well, this road goes through a swampy area, so what are swamp creatures? that are appropriate to the levels, and I crafted challenges that were appropriate to the challenge rating of the uh, of the group, and then I could just roll, like, well, there's a 30% chance that they run into, you know, four Edder Caps, or there's a, you know, 20% chance that they run into whatever else. Um, and then, yeah, you can, you, if they decide they're, they're going to go wherever, you can allow them the freedom to kind of walk around, mm-hmm. and you've already got those charts kind of built out to just spice up their road travel a little bit and let them know that the region is a little bit dangerous, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, what are what is the what is the reason why those are there? What what does it add to the story? How does it progress things? So that that particular story, um it was really just kind of meant to uh uh it it, it was very much the old style sort of dungeon crawly right. romp. Um but uh, and we'll kind of get into this maybe mm-hmm. a little, in a little more depth later. There were some things that I put on there that were tied into the story, which is the key. There was a lich mm-hmm. that was that held a keep in the area, so there were random undead encounters around because he had those sort of things at his, at his disposal. Mm-hmm. You know, so they weren't necessarily resolving the plot or anything like that. They weren't fighting the lich himself. But you come across he's undead simply because he is a presence in the area. Mm-hmm. So, why are some of the reasons why we put random encounters things? We have, obviously, the original game mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the predictable one, which is to fill a schedule slot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm running a game on Thursday. Oh, crap. It's Thursday night's game. I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So, time to pull out a random encounter. Yep. You know? Um, you know, let's have them delayed by a monster or pirates or bandits or pan- bandit monster pirates or something, right, 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 you right. know, or some kind of a situation, you know, uh, maybe you have to fill a gap. So for instance, the players are climbing the mountain to find out what's going on with the bandits, but you don't want that bandit encounter to be the combat. Because they're really not going to meet the bandits. They're meeting the the, the light leftovers, the dwarves who are dead. Mm-hmm. And you want that to be a social encounter. Maybe it'll start with combat, but it's gonna it's supposed to be a social encounter where they're like, whoa, 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 you're not the bandits. So, but you're going to need something in between there. 
maybe there's some wolves picking at the bones. Sure. You know, or something like that. That's kind of a chance encounter that fills a gap, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, they're being there just out of chance, but what's behind it? What's the, the pieces make up the difference? Right. Um, right. And sometimes you just straight up need a challenge. You yeah. need something to challenge the players before the next leg. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they're going to go fight the big boss, but you need something in between them and the big boss you maybe that don't isn't want the minions. Be, yeah, you maybe don't want them to be able to like walk into the big boss and just unload all their strongest stuff on it. You want right. them to be a little, a little weary from the road. Right. You want to make it feel like a challenge right mm-hmm. up to that point. You don't want to narrate the challenge and tell them they're all at half hit points and whatever. Right, you know? right. So the idea is, is that... You you stage things for those challenges, and that's the typical reasons for random encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, most people fall into one of those categories. Um, and my thought is is that like just to just to put it out there, there are hundreds of random encounter tables out there. Oh, there really are for almost every game that you can think of. So if you if you think that you can't find a random encounter table, I will give you three. You know. Uh, Nox in the box in the live chat asks, "Wandering monsters, or is that something different?" No, that's that's pretty much a random encounter. That's... No, I, I think that's it dep- again. Does it fit into one of those three categories? Right, right. I think wandering wandering monster is probably your most classic and basic form of a random encounter. Um, you know, you're you're wandering down the road, or you're going through the halls of a dungeon, and suddenly a rust monster appears. Roll initiative. You know, that's yeah. that's like that's old school D anD D right there. You know? But why is that rust monster there? Exactly. Do you know why he's there? Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that this is a dungeon and rust monsters form here. Yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of what we're getting into is is that, that random encounters, I think, um, should fit in one of three categories, the way that I see it. Um, anytime you're running a random encounter, uh, it should either, A, be furthering the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, so using a random encounter with, say, townsfolk... Uh, bandits or some other information source that can move the plot along. Yep. Um, you know, so you're not necessarily at this point maybe throwing uh, monsters at them, but sentient people who can convey information. Yep. Um, or might carry information with them. So after they've been defeated, you can loot the bodies and, oh, they've got a message on them. Of some right, sort. exactly. Or um, there's other bodies there as well. Right. Uh, so a, an example of this would maybe be a, uh, a random group of humanoid traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose carriage was hit by bandits. Yes. So you find them on the side of the road. Uh, their carriage is all blown to hell. The, mm-hmm. one of the wheels is broken. One of the horses is, is wounded or dead. Um, and you're like, hey, guys, what, what happened? And they're like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Bandits came by and hit us. Yeah. And you're like, oh, bandits, you say? Yeah. yeah, they looked like this, and they were wearing this, and they attacked with this. And you're like, oh, those are the big bad evil guys that we're going after. You guys have a common enemy as us. They they hit us too. Right. Well, if you're going to hunt them down, yeah, they went that way, and I can tell you exactly what they were up to. Right. One of them said something or another about this. Now, that's not you're not running into the bandits themselves. No. But you're getting a lot of really good information, and it bridges the gap between that and the next the next encounter with them. Right. And there's nothing to say that if you were unprepared for your adventure, that you couldn't do the same thing. Uh, and and create a, a basically a mini adventure using a chance encounter. Again, if it's just a matter that you need to convey something to your players about the plot, something small, something simple, use one of these encounters. Mm-hmm. Leave a body, trail the body, find the bandits, discover the information. Mm-hmm. That's a whole adventure. Yeah, on its own, right there, straight up. Yes, it is. Um, and you don't have to do much. Uh, one of the best uh, random encounters that I came across uh, was they said was the Trail of Blood, mm-hmm. and literally it starts with the players um, are uh, are tracking through you know down a road, uh, and they go to set up for the night, and one of the perceptive players, whoever it may be in the party, sees blood, and some clear scuff marks from a fight they find a a a, a body of uh, unrecognized humanoid and blood trailing off into the woods and they're like okay well there clearly was a fight here this guy has nothing on him and there's no horse there's nothing what where do we do and that starts a small chance encounter <laughs> now it's csi water deep exactly yeah! <laughs> So so it's it was just that and it led on a very small direct 
encounter. Mm-hmm. And it, the the only thing it had to do with the plot, and they eventually found it, was the guy that they the the guy at the end of the encounter who is injured mm-hmm. is you know an assassin or a barbarian. It was a chance fight that he had with the guy, and the guy at the beginning of the whole thing had the one piece of information that actually became good for the players. Yeah, to know. And it was just a chance encounter. Yep. That was it. Real simple. Yep. It was something he would have given to them at a pub or any other location coming up, but he just wasn't prepared. But he got mugged. Yep. And so the yep. the DM gave it to a dead guy who then mm-hmm. got it stolen from him in a simple role. And and as Knox, uh, Knox in the live chat says, uh, and the player feels like they contributed to that with their skills. Yep. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You, you've got a player sitting there going, I made that happen. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, so the second the second category uh, that, that your random encounters will fit into is enhancing the dramatic effects of the plot. So these are things that don't necessarily directly advance the plot in a way that like gives you information about how to thwart the bad guy or anything like that, but will kind of contribute to that middle ground of like um, kind of like I said earlier about the zombies being around because the lich was there. Um, these are things that are going to be directly tied to the plot, but incidental because of the events of the plot. Um, so an example of that is like a, uh, for instance, like in a, in a cyberpunk campaign, um, if you've got a local gang, uh, that has formed a pact with a megacorp, the corp has a headquarters in a bad side of town. You've got a local gang or group that megacorp starts supplying high tech weaponry to the gangers with the agreement that they'll basically guard their turf and therefore the corpse headquarters that's in that turf. So when your PC party goes there, they run across these gangers. Now these gangers are slinging, you know, high tech technology, uh, and, and like really powerful weaponry. Mm -hmm. And it leaves them asking the question, like where the hell did a bunch of street gangers get, you know, uh, top grade, top grades, you know, smart linked, cyber enhanced, clean weapons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's it's one of those plot lines that you it ties in because mm-hmm. you're going after this megacorp. The megacorp is your big bad evil guy, um, and it's important, but it's not the plot in right. quotes. You know, right? Um, and so there's there's a lot of stuff that you're going to want to do uh, for – think about the effects your plot has. You know, if your big bad evil guy is, um, you know, doing a lot of magic and stuff like that in his evil wizard tower or something like that is, you know, is slinging around, you know, casual ninth level spells all day, having an effect on the countryside, having an effect on the people around. Um, is he buying up out of the local economy a lot of – Expensive spell components, things like that. You can draw a lot of encounters out of secondary effects like that. Um, in the Monster Manual, uh, there's a large thing in the dragons section about the regional effects of a dragon roosting nearby. And literally for miles around, like a red dragon, like volcanic activity happens, mm-hmm. you know? So there's all sorts of stuff you can look into for that to kind of think of what are random regional encounters I can do because this thing is in effect here. Right. You know? And, I mean, to add to that, you can uh, you can even stretch that a little further and make, if you need to make it a little longer and say, like in the case of your gangers, is that they could be selling. Mm-hmm. You know, an item randomly shows up in a gun shop and you're like, wait a second, what is that? You know, you know, they go in to buy something and the guy has, you know, on, you know, has a box of, of, uh, high, uh, high velocity rounds that are marked from, you know, Targrade Industries. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did you get Targrade Industries? These are, especially, oh, those are prototype rounds. No, they're not. Like, I know those guns. Like, we know exactly what may... You know, how much for those? Oh, man, those are special. I can only get those from a certain supplier. A certain supplier. You have just those rounds. You don't even have a gun for it. I I might have a gun for it. No, you don't. Right. You know, and then that leads to the questions, the haggling, and eventually that, yeah, I I, I got them from some gangers. They threw it in with another gun that I got that I've already sold. What do you mean they threw it in? Where did they get it? What do you mean gangers sold you space-age technology? Right, and that slowly leads you to the gangers, and leads you to the fight, which leads you to the cargo crates, which leads you to manifests on where they came from, and Mm -hmm. the truck they stole, which is still behind their facility. Yep. And now you have a truck. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
it it leads things like that are simple pieces of information that can lead through to create opportunity Mm -hmm. and that's the trigger at the end that's always the you know what opportunity does this lead to in your plot for you right right um and that i think kind of leads into enhancing the world itself right because now you're adding flavor as you step through it and i think this is something that overwatch does really well Mm -hmm. is that he will have a random encounter um uh, you know, a, a a chance encounter with a guard from the Megacorp. And how you handle that situation determines when you get to the Megacorp adventure, you know, outside of the facility and you or inside the facility and you see that guard and he's hung over because you helped him get hammered at the bar. Mm-hmm. So he's late to his shift. So there's a little gap there. You see who it is. You know that guy's hammered as hell. You know, and, and now he's affected differently. So mm-hmm. that one guard is slower to the draw or slower to hit the emergency button. Or maybe he's good friends with you. And so he he basically takes an extra second. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, you know, he sees you coming through the gate and he's like, I think I know that guy. And now he's questioning how he knows you and maybe it's okay that you can come through because maybe he did see you before, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where world building gets stretched by these little chance encounters. Yeah. And I think that does, uh, that is an amazing thing to think about if you can, if you can put it in perspective. Um, And by doing more of these uh, within your stories and adding those elements in, it makes your players feel like you knew every step along the way. Mm Mm-hmm. When really you're sprinkling your plot through and just tying the pieces back sure. to where they need to come. Sure. Um, you know, and I think too, you can you can enhance the world building um, in a lot of ways with your random encounters as well. Uh, just by doing, I mean, really stuff c- completely disconnected from your plot. I mean, mm-hmm. it is it is nice to tie things to your plot, but not mm-hmm. everything has to do with your plot, you know? No, no. Um, for instance, like uh, in um, in my Elder Scrolls game. Uh, you know, if you guys decide to go off-road, uh, you might discover that uh, some draw, uh, which are some uh, creatures that are native to the Elder Scrolls, uh, uh, Elder Scrolls world, um, you've never encountered these before. Several, several of you have never played the games and therefore don't even know what a draw is. So you're going to be learning that kind of firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they've, they've built their nest in an old alien ruin, you know? So you have this encounter, and it's just purely environmental you stumbled into a draw nest mm-hmm. you know um it's a chance encounter that way but you learn a little bit about uh the world you learn about the fauna mm-hmm. in the world so you've learned what a draw is and how awful they are um and you learn uh possibly something about the history because this is an old alien ruin um so you might discover something there uh and you know maybe you'll get some treasure along the way but yeah. you've got a nice little diversion and it has enhanced the um, enhance the world building. It's made the world feel like a more living, breathing place. Right. Where things that aren't just the plot happen. Exactly. Exactly. And they're still part of the world. They're still part mm-hmm. of everything else that goes into that. You know, when when you have a world that is old, you have ruins. Yeah. When you have a world that is uh, at war, you have small factions and and destroyed towns and and leftover crap, yeah, laying all over the place. Battlefields, grave sites, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, it it adds to that flavor exactly, and still progresses the players through their feelings and allows them to experience their players. There's nothing to say that a that a chance encounter is not for characters either. Exactly, and in that sense. By you're enhancing their world by giving something to themselves back into it, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes those chance encounters are things that are from their past, and sometimes they are consequences of their past, good or bad. So maybe the player has somewhere in their history that they had a they had lost a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a, uh, a a a a lover or a wife or a, you know husband or whatever. There's a family attached to that person, perhaps. Yep. And there's nothing to say they couldn't come back across that per- that family. And now there's this whole reconnection with the world. In uh, Critical Role uh, Campaign 2, Matt has uh, what uh, a group that these, uh, uh, the fandom has affectionately referred to as the Bad Luck Bandits. And uh, they were a random encounter of bandits 
that they ran across very early on in the campaign, uh, basically just trying to mug them on the road. And the, uh, after a, a short and very violent battle, um, they were able to best the bandits and basically told them like, you know, leave your weapons behind and, you know, get out of here and also choose a different line of work, you know? A while later, several, several episodes later, um, they come across this bandit group again and, uh, they get jumped by them and immediately after rolling initiative, basically they're like, oh crap, we're sorry. We're sorry. We didn't know it was you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the same bandit group mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what did we tell you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and they're like, we're, we're trying, but you know, it's tough. They're hard economic times. There's a war going on. Yep. And we're sorry, but we'll, we'll leave you alone. And, and then there was a third time they came across them where actually the, uh, the, the player group stumbled into them. There was a little like trapper camp set up mm-hmm. and, uh, they were sneaking in trying to see who these other people were on the road. It turns out it's them. And they actually did turn over a new leaf. Oh, that's and fantastic. They, they'd become trappers. Nice. And fur traders. Nice. Uh, and were just doing their best. But of course, we're horrified to see the player party because the last two encounters with them were so violent. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it reoccurring helps a lot. It really does. And yeah. it helps establish that world, but also gives the players something happy to talk about. Yep. And, and absolutely tied into nothing else. Yeah. These guys have nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. So they're, they're a completely random encounter. Yeah. You know? The other thing I always like is the, the, the chance encounters with previous game stuff. Uh-huh. You know, where if you're playing in the same world, but maybe different characters... You know, having something from a previous game show up. I did that. I do that in Seven C all the time. Padre Inquis. That's right. Mm-hmm. I bring them back because the players love reoccurring characters, and okay. they have a feeling for who they are a little bit, and already have a mind's image of them. Yeah. You yeah. know, because they've they've been cemented in, and those kind of people can make a huge difference. Well, you know, you you get attached to NPCs. Mm-hmm. You know, you really do. And then, good and bad. Knowing. <laughs> Knowing that that NPC that we kind of liked in our previous campaign is is alive and doing well, apparently, mm-hmm. because they're showing up in this campaign, it's nice. You know, it's like a little status check. Yeah. So, what can make random encounters better? Oh, lots of stuff. Okay. Um. All right. So, first off, uh, personalizing it. Okay. You know, making it about your players. All right. Um. I mean, if you've got a chance to bring in, uh, you know, like, uh you know, random assassins or thieves or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if one of your characters has in their backstory an entanglement to the Thieves Guild, Mm -hmm. uh, well, maybe this is some of them calling in a debt or an old, you know, or an old, uh, an old grudge or something like that. Yep. Um, If you've got, you know, someone who's got uh, ties to, I don't know, like a Druid Grove or something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe there was some misunderstanding and now the wild, the, the, the 1D4 direwolves that are attacking are also maybe sent by an, a, 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 a druid they, they've got a rival right with or yeah. something the other one that i was like uh that i saw because again it doesn't always have to be combat mm-hmm. it can be still social and, and dancey social is uh you can do uh um uh, re, uh anniversaries and mm-hmm. reunions where it's like the assassin's guild surrounds them and they're all hooded and cloaked and your character's like oh crap i remember these guys shit yeah these are my first trainers guys this isn't going to be easy and they'll close in and, and just as initiative's about to start one of them blows a kazoo and they're like <laughs> what they're like it's your anniversary for joining us we had to come find you dude you were in town you know right, and they're right. like what we're like we're having a party come on you know <laughs> and it's like suddenly like it's a it's an event you scared but the there's... crap out of me. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> Hello. Like, you know. And so the whole idea, then it turns it on its head, but there could still be games and chants and things like that that they yeah. do. And, you know, the drinking events. And now it's a thing for that player. Now they're bound, like, and these people know things about them. Mm-hmm. And there's history. Some of it's good. Some of it might be bad. Some of it might be rumors, you know, and they want information and maybe they have some information, mm-hmm. you know, but it changes the whole thing. Uh, another thing you can do is, is, is uh, and I think we kind of touched on this before, is making it about the setting. Right, you right. Know? Um, so making sure that you tie your randomness into the setting so that whatever you're doing there feels right, right. in the location. Um, and the reason I bring this up again is because it's, it's also something you can do wrong mm-hmm. very easily. Because mm-hmm. um, if you throw something in the location that doesn't feel right... Uh, you know, skeletons uh, in a place that's supposed to be, like, hallowed. Yeah. Um, or, like, you know, really super stealth assassins in, like, 
the grungy part of town. Yeah. Maybe you should just have, you know, armed thugs in the grungy part of town. What right. is, Regardless of what, what the, is this yeah. guy doing here? You yeah. Know? And it's, if your if your players are anything like mine are, yeah. they start asking some questions. And and now they red herring off in a whole direction that you did not want right. them to go. Right. I mean, I almost did that with you with you guys in the in the ogres. Yeah, very much so. You know, people started. You guys started really focusing on why did these ogres have like, you know, uh, uh, walls and mm-hmm. cages built? Mm-hmm. And like, I had to explain to you guys like these guys are in, as intelligent as cavemen. Like, right? They can sharpen sticks. It's okay. Yep. Yep. You know, this this isn't out of place. This isn't a red herring. Please don't chase this yeah. for the next three episodes. Right. And I think some of that is explaining in simplicity. Don't go into depth. You know, there shouldn't this shouldn't be a 20-minute lore check. Mm-hmm. This should be, you know, you in narration explaining to your players. If, they've, if they feel like they're starting to go off track, you know, l- look to your one player who has the highest lore skill or, or survival skill and explain to them, this is perfectly normal. This is perfectly normal, yeah. You know, and it's just maybe it was your faux pas that they're reading far too far into that one of the players maybe saw wrong. And and you know, sometimes if if you're if you're good at improv too, if mm-hmm. you're one of those players who can or one of those storytellers who can think on their feet really quick, mm-hmm. um, sometimes a player calling you out on a discrepancy mm-hmm. can lead to some cool stuff. Yeah, you can definitely plot it up because sometimes you you just honestly biff this. Mm-hmm. You you really were not you know maybe not paying attention, maybe not planning as well as you could, or you know maybe you just didn't have the right information, whatever. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, you make one of these faux pas and you put something somewhere it doesn't belong long and a player calls you out on it and if you're quick enough sometimes you can go well yeah of course it belongs there mm-hmm. because 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 <laughs> and you come up with the with with the with the answer whether you tell them that answer or not mm-hmm. sometimes them going i think there's a plot line here and you go sure yeah okay, <laughs> okay. yeah i'll run with that yeah, i'll run okay. with that and and plot is just born Mm-hmm. And you, 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 you give them some vague clues, you call the game, and then between that session and next session, mm-hmm. you give it some thought about how you can actually tie that in and why that might have been there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you come up with some really great ideas. Yep, it's very true. It's mm-hmm. very true. The last thing is to sprinkle in plot. Yes. Give something there. Maybe there's, uh, Maybe something's waiting for them. Maybe when they're attacking, they find the den and the bodies of someone else up there. Yep. Uh, maybe the trolls were pushed out of their land. And you're finding that they've traveled a great distance, and they can find the trail that leads back to where they were from. And now they know that there was something, you know, there's burn marks and 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 obviously spell components sitting around. They're like, oh well, casters got them out of this area. Why would there be casters in this area pushing mm-hmm. trolls out? You know, and that kind of a thing can definitely set the plot back in motion and give them a trail to continue following. Yes. So breadcrumbs and sprinkles of plot are always a great idea. So the last last thing I, I wanted to talk about too here, and uh, I I see that you know Knox has commented on this in the live chat, mm-hmm. um, uh, is uh, that not all random encounters have to be bad. Okay, like there I know we we talk a lot about you know pushing them into combat encounters and stuff correct, like that. correct, but um, not all combat encounters have to be confrontational. No, or uh, random encounters. Not right. all random encounters should be confrontational. Right. Um. So, you know, for instance, uh, one of the ones that you keep coming mm-hmm. back to for my campaign was uh, we had a Battle of the Bards. Literally, we just had a three-day journey down a major highway, essentially, um, to the next town, the next major city. And so there were some, you know, uh, inns interspersed along the way, just like there are on major freeways here in, you know, in America. Um, because people realized that that's a multi-day journey between Kavach and Anvil. Uh, and so they stopped in at one. And there was just a there was a bard competition going on, and yep. you guys had a bard in your party, so yep. hey, what the hell, you know? Let's make some money. Yeah, let's make some money. Let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to introduce you to some uh, interesting NPCs. Mm-hmm. There was a prize mm-hmm. available for winning the contest. Yep. Um, our warrior got in an arm wrestling contest, and you guys were all placing bets and stuff, and it was great. I think everybody had a really great time with that encounter. I agree. I agree. Um, trade caravans are great. Chance yes. encounters because it it is a it is a a difference in going into a town. Uh, traders who are in caravans can be also traders of information. Um, plus, you can you can do a little bit of world and setting in that you know that's a, adds a yeah. little extra flavor. Plus, they can get some rare things and they can trade things with the caravan. And it's not just simple sale. It, to me, to me too, it's nice just on, on 
in in a D and D campaign to make an on the road encounter mm-hmm. that isn't a combat encounter. Agreed. For the first damn time in history, not getting jumped on the road in a D and D campaign, and something that's not necessarily has to start with intensity and stress. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, interesting landmarks is one of the ones you had in here, and uh, I I liked one where I uh, like the players had been going through the woods mm-hmm. and trails. They had been in the mountains and realistically they hadn't seen a lick of water, but a couple streams, mm-hmm. like simple little things. And they finally found a lake. Like they literally cut through, they were cutting on this road and someone was just like, I think this, I think there's a lake nearby. Mm-hmm. Like somebody said on the map here. And so they cut through the woods a little bit on a trail and found the edge of a lake. And they're like, it's, you know, it was beautiful. They could fish. They could enjoy themselves. They could take baths for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could go for a swim, and it was just a simple point of interest and a stopping point for them to enjoy. And it it allowed them to have a social encounter. But it was, but what was interesting was it gave them a direct position on the map where they were. They knew right where they were. They were found. Yep. It found that lake, and they were like, "Oh dear God, I'm so glad we found this lake." Right. You but it, again and again, though, it enhanced the world building mm-hmm. because at this point, you were going through an area where where water was very scarce. Yeah. Um, and that was starting to become a concern for the players. Mm-hmm. And so something as simple as a a, a, a water feature mm-hmm. becomes a huge deal for them, a point of celebration. They mm-hmm. jump in, splash around. I'm sure they were all all thought it was a big pile of gold to them. You yeah. Know? You know, uh, war sites are a good one where you've got, you know, basically uh, markers of a giant battle. Yeah. Yeah. You know rocks and 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 half frozen people and statues and broken things and bits of of siege weaponry and things like that can really give you a chance to explain things and let your lore and historian characters learn about what had really happened mm-hmm. here versus what was in the books or or even something even smaller than that you know just a couple of a couple of roadside graves oh yeah with a you know a, a sword stabbed into the ground and a helmet resting on it and of course they're both all rusted and weathered and stuff mm-hmm. like that but you know, it leaves the question of like, you know, who who's worthy? Is what happened here? You know, right? But it's a it's an interesting roadside feature that that is going to grab the attention. It's going to enhance the world around them and make it feel lived in. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is the environmental, which is where you know it's an abandoned cart flipped over that's got arrow bolts in it, some broken off. It's burned by magical fire. There's blood stains and a body in the grass. Yeah, that's you... it. That's all you get. Yeah. But it tells a story. Mm-hmm. Something happened here, you know? Yep. And and whatever it was, it's long gone. This isn't a combat encounter. But yeah. it was at one point. Yeah. And, you know, this this kind of goes back to the whole, like, CSI Waterdeep thing, you know, where you can start putting things together. Think through how the events would have unfolded. Right. And then describe it telling the evidence of those things, mm-hmm. you know? They tip the cart over to defend from the arrows and the, and the, the crossbow bolts because they're all in that one side. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they attacked from over there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's scorch marks, so you know that there was at least some magic involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one body, you know, off in the wilderness or something like that, tried to get away, but there's a couple arrows in his back. They shot him while he was running. Yep. You know, things like that. Um, tells you a little bit about what happened here, but without turning it into a combat encounter itself. Okay. All right. Do we want to hit questions at this point? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. I think we've we've belabored the point enough. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, I'm going to start with Overwatch. Sure. Um, uh, what are some methods for turning a random encounter into a story hook or using something within an encounter as such? Well, like we were saying, if you make a mistake, mistakes, you listen to your players for the yes. answers. Yes. And oftentimes cherry pick what the truth is out of the things like... No, that that that's a legitimate thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You find that that is true, and now that leads to why is it true? Yeah, I think that's a neat way of doing it. I, I think I think that's a win-win situation both ways around. Um, mm-hmm. Because if your players are already investigating a uh, what what is at this point a red herring, mm-hmm. um, they're showing interest in it. Yeah. Okay, and you always want to reward a player's initiative. Mm-hmm. So even if it is a red herring, you can turn it into not a red herring mm-hmm. by just putting something there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked a lot about your um, how you drop clues. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, you know, you'll write in your notes, like, you know, they'll, they'll discover this clue sitting on the magister's desk. Right. We don't search the magister's desk. We yep. search his safe, though. And you're like, okay, well, 
it doesn't have to be on his desk. Nope. Like, all that's important is that you walk out of here with that clue. Right. So if you're searching the safe, the clue is now in his safe. Mm-hmm. And I'll come up with whatever reason I need. If it, if it's, if it doesn't belong in the safe, I'll come up with some reason why it is. Right. You know? Um, so I think just along the same lines, if your players start to go after a red herring, um, they're already showing interest in it and you should reward that mm-hmm. because they're going to be feel, they're going to feel good when they find something. Yeah. Um, they're going to feel like a super sleuth. Yep. Uh, so come up with a reason why there's something there and put something there. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, people would say like, well, I expected them to go here and I'm waiting for them to learn about these notes that the magister had and the map that, that they had, but they never, but they never went in that direction. Great. So now they're on the road and they find a, they find a body Mm -hmm. and strewn amongst the body is paperwork. Some of the notes are there, but not all of the notes are there. But there's a bag, clearly, that's been drug off. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, guess what's got the rest of the notes in it? The guy who stole it is looking to... It, it was looking for the money, and it doesn't really care about the notes. Like, that doesn't mean anything to him. He's just a bandit. Mm-hmm. But now you've got to get the rest of that paperwork, which includes the map. So you've just created the opening for something that should have happened three scenes earlier with them finding it. You know, instead of trying to shoehorn it in somewhere else... It, it, now it's just available. Yep. Other people had it. Yep. You know, it was some courier for the guy, mm-hmm. you know, who was bringing them to another location and he got jacked. Yeah. So just yep. by chance. Um, Knox has a bunch of questions, but Knox I think we is... answered a lot of these. Yeah, but we, can, we could definitely go through them. Um, so he, uh, Knox asks, amongst other things, uh, what specifically makes a random encounter different from a wandering monster? I think we touched on this one mm-hmm, earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, all all monster, all wandering monsters are random encounters, but not all random encounters are wandering monsters. There you go. I think that's a great way of putting it. Uh, should we avoid impromptu encounter creation at the table and instead plan an entire scenarios ahead of time to drop in at the appropriate moments? Um, no, I mean, yes and no. I don't think you should avoid it. I don't think, I don't think that's the way to phrase it. Correct. I think there's two schools of thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a right place and a wrong place for both of these techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you are trying to delicately craft a story, yes, you should avoid random encounter, you know, random encounter tables. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing a lighthearted romp and you kind of want to let the players go loose and you just, you know, yeah, whatever, dungeon crawly. We did some talky, some... now we're doing some fighty, then we're going to do some talky, and then we're going to do some fighty. And you don't know what to do for one of those two things, sure, make it random. And honestly, those campaigns are so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I know we go real hard on the whole, like, carefully craft your narrative, you know. But no, seriously. Like, uh, the, 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 the lighthearted romp is such a fun D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. And by all means, your your impromptu encounters of uh yeah, sure it's uh four outer caps. Mhm. Go. Yep. You know, sometimes those are real fun. Yep. Uh six goblins with marshmallows on sticks. That was a thing. With you marshmallows see, on sticks. You you see six goblins sitting around fire with marshmallows on sticks. They're they're making s'mores. Because huh. they watched somebody else do it, then jacked them for their marshmallows. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. And so players will just watch them for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. burn their marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an encounter. Yeah, it is uh, an What big things can we randomly leave a chance for to increase narrative impact? For example, a big baddie showing up early, like Strahd and... Uh, who else is able to? I mean, Curse of Strahd. Yeah, Curse of Strahd is. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think you leave those up to chance. I I don't because your players will inevitably screw that up. Yeah. um, Regardless of them drifting away in some vaporous, you know, whatever. No, never, never, never leave your big bad evil guy to chance encounters with your players yeah something uh, for, something off, will I, happen i think if your big bad evil guy shows up that's not random chance that's your plot just showed up mm-hmm. um but also yeah i think we've both had it enough times where the big bad evil guy has showed his face and somebody rolled that natural 20 mm-hmm. crit one shot and uh now you're you're out a big bad evil guy <laughs> you yeah know? you are not prepared for them to confront him here but that is what they are doing exactly exactly so um how can we 
help someone learn to embrace randomness more and feel comfortable releasing a bit more of their control. Um, I think there's a balance between the control and the randomness. Okay. Um, I think it comes down to, like you said, between the light, the lighthearted romp and the uh, crafted story versus the crafted campaign. I mean, there is a sandbox world that we're talking about as well, where there are plots and things to do, but at times there is gaps. Mm-hmm. So I think accepting that there are random events to fill the gaps between the control is still a thing. And it's again, it's not random. They are chance encounters that have meaning. Yeah. It's yeah. adding chance. It's adding a bit of craft to the random encounter. And that craft could be something you had written in a sideline. Sure. That's just a note that has to come through. Sure. Item, note, piece, information, some plotty thing. So. Uh, to learning to embrace it, mm, practice. Yeah, Just like everything else. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of practice. I think um, for me, I think lear- learning to embrace anything that you are reluctant to embrace comes down to positive conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just simply have the experience and acknowledge the good that came out of the experience and allow it to be a positive experience for you. So that way, next time when you think about doing this activity, you have positive emotions and memories uh, attached to it. And you'll allow it to happen easier, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, come up with some random encounters, um, sprinkle them into your game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, start light at first, you know? Yeah. If you're, you're going going from, from you, you know your party's going from point A to point B on a road. They're going to be there on a, you know, day's journey and you want to throw an encounter in the middle of it. Write up four different encounters. Mm-hmm. Don't make them. Don't make them too heavy. You know, just just like if you're playing D and D, just four challenge worthy encounters that are environment, um, you know, appropriate. Uh, so wolves, um, you know, some of those big old onkegs, uh, those antlion mm-hmm. things. Yep. Uh, let's see here. What are other for- good forest encounters? Uh, uh, you've got plenty of uh, avians. Gi- giant spiders. Giant, oh, spiders. Giant yeah. spiders. If you've got nobody who's arachnophobic in your group, bears. Um, just yeah, natural things. Or, happen. or, or and, and we'll throw in the random bandits too. Mm-hmm. Bandits, bandits on the road. Yep. You know. Okay. Uh, so there's four random encounters for you. Mm-hmm. Build those appropriate and uh, appropriate uh, uh, to to your levels, and then when the time comes, when they go to travel from point A to point B, toss a D4. Yep. One way or another, you're prepared for that because yeah. you've written them all out. Ultimately, the, the, the story doesn't change. Mm-hmm. We went from point A to point B, and on the way, there was combat. Mm-hmm. We were assailed by opponents. Yeah. And I think that rolls into the next question, which is where I was going for, uh, which I want you to put in, which is, are there roles you can have your players make to influence these random events so the players actually feel like they've actually done something themselves to bring the event and not just the event to them? Yes. Yes. Uh, this worked really well we in... We talked about this actually last last episode of on Encounters. Yeah. Um, one of the things that happens in Mouse Guard is you have weather. Uh-huh. And weather determines a lot of things. Exactly, um, yes. I think you could do the same thing in Our D&D with uh, survival. You know, whether the players are going to be navigating the right route can determine where they go. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, what'd you roll on your survival check? I rolled a three. Well, you definitely think the route around the mountain is the best choice mm-hmm. through the swamp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it's, uh, I think we, we, we talked a lot about this, uh, I think, uh, last episode where we were talking about, um, uh, environmental encounters mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, having them, like, to, uh, have to navigate through an area, you know, ask everyone at your table what they're doing to contribute to that, mm-hmm. um, to that journey. You know, so sure, your tracker is going to instantly say, well, I've got a plus 12 to survival. I'm going to roll survival. Cool. What's the warrior doing? Oh, uh, I'm watching out for danger. Okay, that's a perception check from you. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the wizard doing? Oh, well, I'm buried in my books the entire time. Right, but how are you aiding the journey? Um, I guess I know a lot about the weather and stuff like that, so I'll be watching the skies for, like, signs of changing things. Okay, cool. Now you roll me a... You've already rolled a survival check, so maybe give me a nature check on that one. Mm-hmm. You know? And then look at their rolls. Mm-hmm. Now, when one of them, or some, or a lot of them, have failed their rolls, this is when you start sprinkling in the random encounters. Those are your consequences for failing those rolls. Mm-hmm. If they pass all of them, 
sure, great. You guys yep. were really on the ball. You really made it from point A to point B and didn't get you know didn't get a scratch on you. Yep. But that botched survival check on the tracker, mm-hmm. you know, on the on the ranger who led you down the wrong path and it turned out to be a dead end into a swamp and then there was these horrible things in the swamp that didn't like you being there and thought a whole meal just wandered into their den and tried to eat you. Well, there's your random encounter. Yep, exactly. And now your ranger absolutely feels responsible for every drop of blood shed right there. Exactly. Uh, we do actually have one more question. Okay. Uh, that came in uh, while we were rolling. Um, I think it's, is it Jessen? Jessen? Uh, or Jessen? Uh, what is your opinion on utilizing random encounters as a means of removing DM bias and railroading? You create the roll table, uh, roll table based on campaign session specific stuff, then roll to see which things the PCs encounter. Um, I mean, I guess that's one way of taking the the railroading out of it, but I also think it kind of turns D and D into a board game to a degree. It. Or Dark's Dungeon, or or yeah, something. Kind of. I mean, DM bias. I, I mentioned earlier, I did this. Mm-hmm. This is actually how I how I ran my my last like full the the, the only campaign I have ever finished. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's and that's that's how I did that entire that entire region. I, I did a lot of my game like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say it was necessarily to um remove DM bias or railroading. I think re- you you don't remove DM bias or railroading through random encounters. You no. remove DM bias and railroading by not railroading. Yeah. And not being biased. Right. You know. It's hard. It takes it takes time. It there it, it takes negative feedback mm-hmm. to the storyteller that this sucked and seeing it. And it's 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 hard to recognize it until you do it enough times that you recognize it. Right, right. Um, but I think when you when you create roll tables like that, uh, I, for see, I'm of two minds on it. I don't know that I would do this anymore, mm-hmm. but I still see the value in it. I just think it's that my own personal style has changed, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would do it. But um, what think... it allows you to do is kind of like I mentioned earlier, where you roll up like four random encounters mm-hmm. that are all challenge appropriate, and then on the day, just roll your d4. Mm-hmm. You know. What it does is it takes the pressure off of you mm-hmm. to write those things in at the time. Well, I definitely think it would help a, a early storyteller who may not be as creative on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that this kind of opens up, and this is a, a, a much older thought that I had, which is the the random story element. And this is where anyone can run the game. Mm-hmm. You rotate the storyteller every couple weeks right 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 right. you know or whenever the scene or 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 adventure that part of the adventure ends Mm -hmm. and then literally they you know you cross off that event and now there's another event coming up and it's up to them to do that and they've got an inspiration it's a random table that helps them through it and that's what progresses the plot and i think you could do that with something like that i think it'd be a little tricky and I think it would definitely put pressure on certain people over other people. But I think if you had a group of storytellers who all wanted to be in a game and didn't want to just have to run, you could do something with that and make a a longer adventure. Yeah, absolutely. That would that'd be, I think, a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so. Uh, one of the other things I, I happened to occur to me, too, is that, um, uh, you know, it, it, it I'm trying to formulate the thoughts here i'm okay. sorry I, I i had it and then it was gone <laughs> um but uh when you're when you're writing up these these random encounters and stuff of that too uh it it does kind oh, of shit we're out of time oh are we out of we are out of time well never mind i will uh if i think of it i'll throw it up on discord <laughs> um next game uh, uh, uh next week is gonna be a game system spotlight on apocalypse world so that includes urban shadows dungeon world uh etc yep uh, so we'll see you then on, uh, you can find us up on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, uh, Instagram ST underscore Conclave. You can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. You, we uh, tweet out the link to the Discord uh, pretty pretty frequently. And you can also find that link up on our website at StorytellerConclave.com. 
Uh, thank you again to our Patreon members, especially our name members, Knox, Sam, Arcane Asylum, and Sparkle Motion. We really appreciate that every week. Our pre-show music is Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Also, our intro music, which is Beyond the Warriors by uh, Geefrog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. And as always, a big shout out to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you. We love you. Love you, Vicky. Um, um, all of our uh, uh, friends who have set us at our tables over the years and given us all these great experiences to share with you and every single one of you, our listeners, we love you so much. Stay safe. Love you. Good, Good night. night.